speed. And then I would love to read Lesson 222. It's really short. Mm -hmm. And it's all about, it's the one God is with me. I live and move in Him. Mm -hmm. And it just feels like part of what this whole retreat is demonstrating is you know that quote, joy is peace at play mm -hmm. and peace is joy at rest. Mm -hmm. Like there's an integration, mm -hmm. like yeah. how you did I rest in God. So yeah. that song and then this depth and yeah. then it feels like we're just like showing a dance. It's, it's integrated, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's an integrative dance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All at the mind level. Michael, <laughs> can you speak a little? Hello. Yes, I'm speaking now. <laughs> Holy child of God. <laughs> <laughs> And there was a question, Richard, Richard, Michael felt to answer that, where he, because he could relate to that. Richard feels he has all this love and then others are confused. Oh, yes. Even offended yeah. by it. Yeah, that's a good one because it's still like having some slight expectations of mm -hmm. how that yeah. would look. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, it's wonderful that he's, he, he says, I love to love. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, good. well... Then to come into that and just release yeah. expectations of how that looks in the world. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. we, you know, we encourage it. We love. We have all these symbols. There's so many yeah. symbols, but yeah, yeah. it's very. That's a good subtle mm. question. And it's, yeah. And then there was another one about a dependency. Jocelyn Bailey. Oh yeah. Felt to answer that almost like just. Dead, just open up to allow it. There is a desperation for God. Mm -hmm. I think it's yeah. Like I, to, I saw to that to that one as a as more of like gratitude. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was like her gratitude. Like ninety nine percent of the question was her gratitude, and then she just slipped in that word. But that was just a little concern. But you know, people even in the East, people have to have allow themselves a devotion to get into the devotion, and then the, the final step is to have no dependencies, but don't short short circuit the whole thing just because you have a doubt thought, don't block the the value of the symbols. Yeah. yeah. This is your main camera, David. Okay. In a very unusual way, looking at that one, a whole lot to say. So let's just stop. Well, we don't have an all three. Okay, let's do our next setup. One, two, two. Yeah. Ah, Jeff's called it to silence. Were there any anything else you were feeling, David? I maybe intersperse a little reading here and there, like mm. always come back in between mm. a question to another mm. short reading. Mm. Something comes in, yep. Hi everyone. So mm. grateful to be here again. Yeah, we are gonna have open up with a song called Only Love. <laughs> and then Michael had a reading for the end, but rather than go in there, it's better quality from here. Oh, they're going to finish, We're going to finish song, song. at some point, that's another reading. Yeah, just that, that um, right at the end of the teacher's manual, you know, mm -hmm. this, this lovely prayer. Oh, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Maybe before we go to the final song, you could read that. Right. Yeah, yeah our just thought, start off with these last couple of paragraphs and then go into the
wanted to get like if it's too loud we just look at Brian and he'll do it Tribal thing. Oh yeah, I remember that.
feel this sometimes the reverence and then the swirl with those drums coming in and all the hand movements and you, every time you got into the chorus we all felt the the swirl of joy mm. and Kirsten was reminding me of that uh, I saw a, a marquee on a church uh, one time where I was driving by and it's uh, peace is joy at rest and joy is peace at play and uh, there was the play, <laughs> we can feel the, the playfulness. So it's not like peace and joy are different, they're the same vibration. One has a different swirl to it, but it's, it's actually coming from the same source. And mm. so that's cool. Mm. That's like our, our weekend too. Yeah. 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 It's a beautiful integration, it's a dance between the two. It's not a, they're not different. Yeah. I think that's a really important part of this, you know, that uh, I know I used to have them separated in my mind, you know, there's peace or I meditate and I do this when I meditate <laughs> and I'm at peace when I do that and then when I'm active, okay, well, I can't wait to meditate again. That was, that was my old yeah. sort of modus operandi and they were, they were different or if I was joyful, it was different to peace. But yeah, no, the more we get into the mind training and really sink into this, there is, a, there is this dance between them and really they're the same. That's what it really feels like now and i just love that so we can have that upbeat vibe and now we can just have a beautiful reading which i think we're about to move into <laughs> from kirsten's gentle voice yeah. and, and the and involuntary nature i think that's what the lesson is is mm -hmm. because um sometimes people even feel like no i want to be joyful around my family or mm -hmm. i want to be joyful at church or i want to be joyful at work and and it's not the way the miracle works. Mm. The miracles are involuntary and you have to be under Christ's control. For example, I've had people say to me, you know, how does this work? You know, I can't see it showing up at a funeral that I've been invited to by my family or a close friend and going in there all happy and glee and, and joyful. That would be almost offensive. And I said, yeah, you got it. That, that would be Oftentimes, I mean, if you went down to New Orleans, uh, they actually have celebrations with the funerals. But in the kind of context I'm talking about, where you get invited to a family funeral, you're not supposed to be singing and dancing and whooping it up. You know, that's where the reverence and the peace would most likely come through and they would feel your strength in the peace. Uh, that's what they're all asking for. Please sh show me the strength of God in the midst of what seems to be enormous grief. 
and, and peace is actually more appropriate there. Mm -hmm. And that's what the miracle is always appropriate. Uh, it's not going to try to take something like joy and, and force it. Mm -hmm. and, and there are many situations where you, you have to go into that workbook lesson, I will step back and let him lead the way. That's, mm -hmm. that's why it takes so much surrender, even when you get into this, because you may want to go out and from the hilltops proclaim that God doesn't forgive, he has never forget, con, he's never condemned. And the world is, it's not ready, you know, it, it's still at the place of, God forgive me. <laughs> it's not quite at the vibration of, you know, God doesn't forgive for God has never condemned. But, mm. but love and God is behind true forgiveness. It's just that forgiveness is for something that has happened, that has gone wrong, and True forgiveness sees that that what seemed to occur never happened. So, so this we just want you to realize there's a big lesson behind this joy and this deep peace, and that's to let Christ be in control. Be under mm -hmm. Christ's control is is the lesson mm -hmm. that that's so important to really get in your heart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm, that's beautiful. I was just sent a, a coarse quote by a friend uh, two days ago, which is the same. It's just sh about the all-inclusiveness. Like, love is all-inclusive. It's everywhere. And then this quote, happiness is an attribute of love. It cannot be apart from it, nor can it be experienced where love is not. Love has no limits, being everywhere, and therefore joy is everywhere as well. Mm. So... Even in that idea of going to the funeral, it's like you have to let go of our idea of what the expression of joy or the expression of happiness would be. Joy is already everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Love is already everywhere. God is already everywhere. Yeah. And so it's really not personal. It's, it's about stepping back into a presence of, of God and the attributes of God are peace and love and joy. And yet the qualities come through in the most helpful way. No, in the moment, that's where it's all true miracle working is, is truly under Christ's control as to the expression of it. And, and it's always well received when it's truly guided you know, by, by Christ. It always results in a miracle mm -hmm. because it's calling to itself. You know. mm. so. It seems to dovetail with a question that was asked actually <laughs> with uh, Rich because uh, I can really relate to that question where you can have this vibrant joy and love and, and I want to extend that out to everyone and I'm not getting a reflection back it seems and I know in the world that was important for me I did all the personal development stuff the Dale Carnegie's and things and how to win friends and influence people and all that sort of stuff and uh, you know this how to be charismatic and you know it's all about this sort of vibrancy and what have you and and I noticed I was in the world seemingly I'd get a good reflection and yet I came to this community, I noticed I wasn't, that wasn't happening. <laughs> I was getting ignored somewhat. I think I'm being happy and joyful and loving and I'm not sort of getting it back, you know, and other ones are hugging and, and I wasn't, and that was a bit confusing, I think, to start with for me until I really realized I was actually coming from a place of wanting. I was actually wanting something from the other. I was trying to be something. I was, you know, and I was looking for reciprocity. 
I'm, I'm being joyful and loving, so you need to reflect this back to me. Um, and it was the way I thought I would be loved, you know, to be this exuberant one, even though it wasn't my natural state, because really I was very, very shy, actually. And so I went over the top with it. It was almost like the pendulum swinging the other way. And so it was a real, it's a huge undoing for me, actually, to come back to get it really authentic. I just love that word authentic, just getting really in touch with where I'm at, you know, and being real and even being, I actually practiced for quite some time and letting my face drop, you know, because I had the perma smile <laughs> for a long time, uh, you know, or before I walked through a door in my old life, it was almost like, um, okay, I mightn't feel so good, but okay, stick the smile on. Here I go. <laughs> you know? um, it was a bit, it was a lot, very different to the truly helpful prayer that I practiced for a long time. I got from David, you know, before I went through a door, here I am to be truly helpful instead of putting on a face. So it was actually quite a, yeah, it was quite an undoing for me. It was actually hard. I noticed myself, my default was to do this exuberant thing <laughs> and to want to go and give someone a hug. And that beautiful practice of pausing and praying, okay, is it actually time for a hug? You know, it's not always appropriate. It's not always appropriate to being out of smile, actually, you know, or to, because there's a wanting in that, there's a, there's a falseness to it, you know, and as I said, it really took me quite some time to do that, and yet when I did, then it was met with real joy, you know, and even if it, a, a hug wasn't coming back or, or a smile, it didn't affect me anymore, because I know that's where I'm coming from, it has to come from within, the joy is here, this is what it's all about. It's not about what comes back. It's really that letting go of, of being at the effect of anything on the screen, you know, of, at the effect of anything coming back at me. I'm looking for something. You know, there's a wanting there. And it's deeply seated. So it's like there is, that's what the mind training is for, to undo that. So it's not as if we were doing anything wrong. It's sort of part of the programming, I guess, of the world. And that's what we're undoing that to come into this authentic place, this place of being the presence, you know, and then inviting. So then it becomes an invitation. This is where I'm at now. You know, I'm inviting you to this. If you want to join me in this, that's great. And if you don't, that's great too, really. It's not as if one's better than another because I'm being here. And if I can be truly in the peace and the joy without this one sort of seemingly reflecting that, then that's, I think that's a beautiful place to be in, you know, because that's where the peace is. Otherwise, I'm never at peace because I'm always looking for something from somebody else, you know. So it's a stepping back and just checking in. That's the practical part of it. I think, you know, when I go to go towards somebody, if I'm, you know, what is it? Where do I, what do I feel now? And the spirit will direct. It is that stepping back and let him lead the way, really, completely, and letting go of any past conditioning. It's that being very present where I am right now letting go of anything from the past. What used to work in the past does not work now. You know, it doesn't work in this moment. Whatever worked a moment ago or the previous one I just met, I'm about to meet another one just moments later. It's like it's what is most helpful now. You know, it's that constant prayer. Just let the spirit take the puppet. So I've found that incredibly helpful and just so much more joyful, mm -hmm. you know, and so much more at peace um, in my mind. It's beautiful. I'm, I'm glad you're sharing the subtleties of this, Rich. It was, we all read your questions, and, and it was really, we said, wow, that's beautiful. There's such, mm -hmm. a, there's such subtle questions because we do, 
we've from the past we've always looked to the world for uh, little cues, and uh, so your question around around am I getting reflections of that love and hugs and affection and all kinds of things? You know, when I'm offering the love, what's what's going on there is so good, and and then the larger context of that, of course, is I've had people come to me and they go, well, I I kind of, I really like Jesus, and I kind of I'm I'm sentimental with him, but obviously they tell me he wasn't enlightened because, at the end, it was a bloody mess. You know, only, only a being with guilt would have sp spikes going through your arms and your legs, and and blood running out and a crown of thorn. Hmm, those are not loving symbols by any stretch of the imagination. And and then. A more subtle basis, people will always ask me that question about Ramana Maharshi, you know, the amazing presence, and for decades and decades, and then they go, but he had a tumor in the end. And they look at me as if like, you know, what? A, okay, what's the first lesson of the Course? Nothing I see <laughs> means anything. We, we have to be open to go in the direction of the miracle, which is it just sees the false as false. All appearances are equally false. Uh, what does a sick body look like? What does a well body look like? If you really come into the presence of, of God, you can actually honestly feel that, I don't know. I don't know what a sick body looks like. I don't know what a well body looks like. I don't even know what a happy body looks like and a sad body. Because certainly the way Jesus was in the state of mind, even seemingly, even though his consciousness was not in the body and he wasn't on a cross, actually. Uh, but that was the scene. And basically, you know, that teaching, forgive them for they not they know not what they do, is not so much directed at God, because God is pure love and doesn't look on anything but pure love. But it was more a call for forgiveness for the mind that believes it's separate. Forgive them, forgive your body, forgive all the bodies, for they, they know not what they do. They, they are images, they aren't reality. And that's, that's the depth of this teaching. Mm -hmm. And so that's a beautiful lead-in, you know, actually from where you were coming from and trying to kind of go over the top a little bit with the ex exuberance and everything. Mm -hmm. And that was probably some of that old programming yeah. from the Carnegie and the different workshops you did that was like, be positive. <laughs> Go out there and be positive. You know, yeah. we know, we've a lot of us have been through those things. Be positive. And then this is like, how do you feel? Mm -hmm. Jesus says, it's the one right use of judgment. Take our attention in how do I feel? That's, that's really going to the core. Mm -hmm. That'll get us back to that experience of the kingdom of heaven if we're, we're really honest with the feeling part. Mm. And it can be so subtle, can't it? Like when you have all this love, like you were describing, Rich, it's like all this love, what do I do with it? Mm. <laughs> you know? And you just want to <laughs> let it rip. You just want to like, let it extend. Yeah. And I've had that experience sometimes. I feel like I've described it as a starburst. I feel like I'm a star that's literally bursting, <laughs> mm -hmm. and this form can't contain this light anymore. And you know, and uh, yeah, it's just sometimes it's just staying with it and allowing it and letting it just kind of move through, and mm. and then yeah, just really allowing the spirit to guide. You know, where where is it almost 
like you can feel just by being it that then that's the invitation, you know, and that, that then someone comes your way that you can <laughs> share it with in the moment. So it's beautiful <laughs> that you're coming into that. And, uh, yeah, and then there's just so much washing because there is still like mm. a self a self concept as well as all the love and the light, you know, and then that self is where the thoughts come in uh, of the interpretation of, of what do I do with this and is this being met and, and, and how do I, yeah, what do I do with it? And uh, so then that's where the guidance comes in, like you're mm. describing, the guidance of even the feeling I want to offer a hug, you know, where, you know, you show me, you, you bring someone even in my direction, mm. you know, that is in the same, in the moment with me. So. <laughs> that's I'm so glad you mentioned the word hug because that's another great uh, discernment because I've traveled around to so many, like thousands of Course in Miracles groups and been in hundreds of churches and been in synagogues and ashrams and everything like this. And when you do it for as long as I, the body of David has been doing this, you start to notice things, mm -hmm. like you start to notice hug rituals in groups, and I'm like, I mean, they're fascinating, hug rituals. I mean, I would meet certain people and in the group, and then I would notice day after day, they would not, they would not leave the room until they ritualistic had hugged everybody, mm -hmm. and I and the spirit was subtly using even hugs mm -hmm. to teach me that that the mind can get into specialness and get into rituals even around expressing mm -hmm. affection, even in a hug, I was like, fascinating. Because, mm -hmm. you know, in my daily life, I had my, my, my dog Chipper or my cats, and, you know, my dog would jump on me and lick me all the time and everything. I wasn't seeing it as a ritual. But I could, um, when I was traveling, I could start to see these very slight patterns where somebody would, would be looking across a room with almost worry and concern and I would think, what's going on? And they're looking across because they're aiming their eyes to try to see someone who they had not hugged. And they were frightened to let that person get out of the room. <laughs> and I would be like, fascinating, even rituals of hugs. So it just shows how subtle this goes. Whenever there's a concern uh, arising in the mind, that's a very subtle thing to bring back and go, hmm. Okay, I rest in God. I come back to the meaning of life is rest. <laughs> and that, that'll carry you through a lot of things because it takes you out of those subtle, uh, even ritual patterns. Mm. Yeah, that's good. I, mm. I noticed that even at Strawberry because there was, you know, there was 130 or so of us there on property and there were times where I needed to get from A to B because I <laughs> needed to get to the stage and I'm like, Okay, I've got to bypass some hugs. <laughs> there's, there's no way I'm going to get to the Cursed stage the on ninja. time if I if I if I accept every hug. <laughs> you know? So sometimes you've got to like really tune into the guidance and and say, "I love you, Namaste." You know, <laughs> as we go by each other. So yeah, it's especially when there's a big group like that. It's yeah, you really do have to tune in and. And practice the no people pleasing, like truly what's guided, and mm. and and just really know and trust this love in my heart is felt. Like mm. everyone knows I love them. There's no doubt about it. I kind of know that for a fact. <laughs> and then I trust, you know, the hugs, the the physical extension of it is just mm. going to be given. So.
Mm. We had a nice little reading, actually. Thank around. you, Rich. Yeah, thanks for your quiz, generation. Yeah, so Great much. Job. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> Give you a virtual hug. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the same color on, even. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we're reflecting. <laughs> There's a nice little um, reading, I think, from this lovely little book, The Answer, from David. It seems to go very nicely with this. Uh, Change your mind about your mind by accepting the mind's changeless state of innocence and perfection. Make way for the vision of Christ, which is the only sight there is to see. The light of understanding is visible to the spiritual eye. Do not attempt to see with the body or to understand images. There will come a time when all images have gone by and the mind will rest in eternity. It feels like into the mystic, so that's mm. mysticism. <laughs> yeah, it's opening up. Kirsten's got her book there too. We drop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one is just oh my god, it makes us melt. <laughs> this is <laughs> lesson two, two, two. Mm. God is with me. I live and move in him. Mm -hmm. God is with me. He is my source of life, the life within, the air I breathe, the food by which I am sustained, the water which renews and cleanses me. He is my home, wherein I live and move the spirit which directs my actions, offers me its thoughts and guarantees my safety from all pain. He covers me with kindness and with care and holds in love the sun he shines upon who also shines on him. How still is he who knows the truth of what he speaks today. Father, we have no words except your name upon our lips and in our minds as we come quietly into your presence now and ask to rest with you in peace a while.
Mm. Beautiful. <laughs> mm. Makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's that feeling of, um, of just coming into the simplicity of, of what, is, what is natural. And when we hear these passages and we, we feel ourselves sinking into a deeper rest, and it gets calmer and feels more expansive, then, then I would say that is natural. Mm -hmm. Even though in the world all the conditioning has been built up against what is natural. That, that it's actually natural to go inward to God. And, and yet we have a book called A Course in Miracles that actually has a section in it called The Fear to Look Within. Because of the seeming uh, fall from grace, if you want to call it that, or defilement of the altar. Like if you think of your heart, not, not in the body, but the, the heart of your mind or the core of your being, if you think of a defilement, um, it's not a real defilement in, in truth, in heaven, but in terms of this world, there's a, there's a memory of, of a defilement. It's... And, and an amnesia of God, and that defilement memory is covering over God, that to even move inward toward that defilement is very frightening. That's why many of you, as you meditate, as you give yourself over to the stillness, you can have an intense fear come up, and that's fear of coming closer to the defilement. And, and so basically, uh, when you look at the obstacles to peace, if you get uh, down to the final obstacle, the fourth obstacle, you know, it's a, it's a fear of God's love, but it's a fear of moving through, past the defilement, into the light. So Jesus says, you know, you swore in blood never to lift this cornerstone, and the ego is like saying, stop, don't, God is going to strike you blind, to strike you dead if you lift that cornerstone. And really there's only love and light under that cornerstone, but the mind is so conditioned to distract in the world and try to forget about God through ego conditioning that it's actually afraid of, of love. And we, we talked about that yesterday. So, you know, what we're really saying is have faith have faith on this journey. We, we go together. We go together as mighty companions. That's part of the value of these online retreats is, is even coming together like this once a month. It's, this, it's almost like a reminder, a very soft, gentle, strong reminder that, okay, I'm, I'm going home. In fact, somebody sent me, a, a, a man named Monty sent me a link to YouTube today and it was Paul McCartney's song, I Want to Go Home, and it was all about letting go of the stories. And it was, I just, I'd never heard it before. I just played it right before I came over here to the studio. I love it when a Beatle sings, I Want to Go Home. <laughs> <laughs> all the stories, the, the band and the breakup and, and his partner, Linda, um, passing away, and then some of you know, I mentioned uh, about a week ago that he had a, a vision. I think he was taking a, a substance, but he had this 
vision of uh, this huge tower. It was so huge and so vast that he he came out in public. I was seeing this as a public uh, news item. Paul McCartney sees God. <laughs> this is the kind of stuff I see on my iPhone. You know, I'm like, oh cool. One of my Beatles is is seeing God. It was just a tower that was so vast that he he said it had to be God. <laughs> Because the vastness was the part that, that he remembered. And that's what we're doing when we give ourselves permission to sink inward. That um, amidst all the, the riotous, raspy sounds of the world, Jesus says, sink down beneath, down deeper and deeper. And then it starts to flip the narrative around like, oh, I'm going, I'm going home. I'm coming inward to God. I need not... Uh, produce and, and do, do, do all the time to be worthy of that love, I actually can give the doing over the, to the Holy Spirit and say, if I'm to do anything at all, then you inspire it. Let me be done through by you, if I'm to do anything at all. And, and then as you go deeper, there'll be times where your Spirit will say, just rest, just sit rest, get up, get something, rest, rest, like Groundhog Day, stay, remember at the end with Rita, stay, stay, because he's so frightened of the love and he can't even believe he's worthy of the love and she's, you know, right there with him, stay, stay, in the case, stay, stay right here in bed, you know, you're worthy of it, now receive it. And that's what the Spirit is, is saying to all of us. Yeah. Mm. Very precious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember facing that, um, daring to let go. When I, of being so busy, having something occupying my mind all the time. And I remember when I saw that the reason why I had so much to do, and I realized that I left things unfinished so that I still had something to do. Hmm. And, and I could have completed some things like during the day, but I noticed as I was started really watching my mind and questioning why I was doing what I was doing, just really observing more and more closely, you know, what am I doing this for? Am I guided to complete this task or leave it for tomorrow, for example? And I started to see that I deliberately was leaving some things unfinished so that I always had something to do. And then I started looking at that, like, why was I doing that? And, and immediately I felt the fear of, but what if I have nothing to do? And it was a deep, visceral fear of nothingness, like there's such a fear of a void that if I wasn't in operation, you know, this I keeping busy, being important by having something to keep myself going, then I might be nothing. You know? So I could really feel that way in a very practical way that I was keeping my mind occupied. And, and truly that's what all of the busyness in the world is about. It's, it is a defense. You know, it's like a protection. <laughs> 
that is keeping the mind occupied rather than daring to let go of that self and be taken inward into the identification with with spirit and allowing this emptiness you know, and the spaciousness to be experienced. So it's yeah, it's profound to like see, start seeing those defenses of the busyness over the top and mm. and really seeing what the answer is to so much of it. Like many of you know my journey started with physical injury and so I had migraines and and physical pain and and when I would pray and ask the spirit, you know, what is the guidance? So often it was rest. It was just stop, pause. And I would see the tension in my mind that I was feeling in my body. And the tension was this guilt. No, I have to. I need to. I, it's like there's such an unworthiness in the mind that part of remaining occupied is to, is to cover over that and to almost keep the guilt out of awareness. So in that guidance to, to rest, you know, wait until I moved by a presence of peace, you know, then it was just a practice of, of facing it, allowing it. And, and it's not what we think. You know, so often I thought, wow, I'm going to have to face some deep darkness. No, I was in tears of relief so often, like, oh, thank God. <laughs> There's a loving voice that just wants me to rest and relax and and wait just for a moment sometimes until I could be guided from a different place. So. Yeah, and one of the questions here I wanted to share and speak on a little bit was um, Jocelyn. Jocelyn from Indiana. And if you're here with us this morning... But it's a beautiful writing, a beautiful sharing. Most of it is all gratitude. Mm. And then there's also a question in there. So she wrote, I want to share with you this inexplicably deep feeling of core dependency I feel upon the Living Miracles community and the messengers. It's almost a desperate feeling, like my existence depends upon what you are doing and that you continue your work, which of course you will do until the end of time. Were you not there living in community, generating a light that calls each of us to trust the path, regardless of all appearances, the feeling is that I would not exist. While I intellectually grasp that I'm projecting onto you all the very light that is within me, at this stage of undoing and mind training, Apparently, I can only experience my profound connection to the power of this light. Hi, Jocelyn. (laughs) 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 By experiencing it through you first. Isn't Jesus brilliant? Only he could design a gentle detour towards all that is without that light blowing us all to smithereens. (laughs) Oh, maybe that's what happens after all. (laughs) Anyway, there are simply no words to express my gratitude for your heeding the call so that I might also heed it. And thank you, thank you, thank you for these online retreats and for the MMT program that I just started last week. And 
it is brilliant, phenomenal, backed by the MMT mighty community. <laughs> so that's just beautiful, just such a beautiful witness to we can't do this alone. No, and Jesus does share that all through other, I mean, the whole course of miracles is you and your brother, you and your brother, you and your brother. You can't go home without your brother. And, and also that it's, Jesus describes, you see the light in your brother much easier than you can see it in yourself. You know, because there is such a block of our own identity. And so you do perceive it first in your brother, you know, as that healing is happening before you really feel it within yourself. But this feeling of the dependency, yeah, I just feel that it's it's a beautiful direction to open up to realizing that we need God. <laughs> we need God. And we do need our brothers. And and to really open our heart to that, to, to opening to that prayer of of I do need you. I am I am dependent on coming in your direction and I'm just willing to accept, you know, the symbols that show up in my life and the witnesses that show up in my life and all of the help that you can give me through those witnesses, you know, with all of my heart, you know, and face this fear of neediness coming up, you know. because uh, there's a deep fear of that neediness and that dependence coming up and all of us we've been so dependent independent and autonomous I don't need anyone I'm just going to do this myself you know that that's fundamental in our mind you know from a sense of separation and so the direction of allowing the sense of actually I can't do this alone is is really important and then of course the whole direction is you strengthen in that awareness of the miracle of, and receiving that help is to be that dependence shifts from being on anyone or anything in form to truly it's on Christ within you know, and it is on God um, but that is a it's like a washing of the mind into realizing that that source is is within us and available you know, to carry us always so yeah, it's beautiful, Jocelyn. <laughs> really beautiful. Totally. I really feel that when I was, I did the course by myself for many years before I did a study group, you know, because there's a self-study course. And I just thought I could go home to God by myself. That was my big thing. And it was really uh, going to my first study group is when I really realized, wow, there's something about this, having people who are actually interested in this beyond me, you know. <laughs> and then opening up to that, the more I opened up to it, the more it was so helpful to be around like-minded ones, you know, connect with them. And we didn't have virtual back then, but I just feel how amazing this is, you know. That, you know, back then, you know, you needed to be around people, it seemed to be, because it was the virtual thing wasn't really happening. And now, like, there's almost no excuse not to connect in, you know, even if you physically can't join with others. Because it really is so helpful. It's like Jesus talks about, we believe in this world. You know, we can't skip the steps. We believe in this world. We believe in the forms and the images. We let go of unhelpful concepts and they make way for more helpful concepts until they're not helpful anymore and we move on. So, you know, if the Living Miracles community or what we're doing here feels helpful, then that's just really helpful. <laughs> I, I found it so helpful, I sort of 
I'm part of it, you know. I'm here all the time. And it's, it's just what really resonates. It's what's, what's helpful for the mind, the direction of the mind. And watch where the ego, of course, is going to come in and say, oh, I'm dependent, you know. I, should, I shouldn't need this. But we're dependent. We're going to be dependent until we let go of this world, until we're awake. So let's just let's be dependent, if you like, on what's most helpful. Instead of depending on the ego now, let's really move that focus towards the spirit. Where is the spirit directing me now? If it's here with this community and around what we're doing, that's fantastic, you know, and really then fully embrace it, you know, and yeah, the ego's going to have its doubt thoughts, of course. Just enjoy it. If it resonates for you, this is where that authenticity comes back again. If it resonates, really go with that, you know, go with the authenticity and go for it, you know. It's just beautiful that you could lay your heart out like that in a question like that, Jocelyn. I just love that. That's where you're pouring it out and here you are, you're getting <laughs> these reflections back now where you're just saying, yay, <laughs> this feels so good. You know, mm. you know, it's all leading to what David opened up the whole retreat with. What mysticism is about is actually we're going to be letting go of this world, letting go of this course and coming with holy, empty hands unto our God. You know, and that's where it's going. It's beautiful. Exactly what Kirsten is saying. But let's not skip the steps. You know, I was the master step skipper. <laughs> 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 Wanting to go from A to Z. You know, let's flash out of here, you know. Um, Suzanne was always part of the flash out crowd. <laughs> I like that, you know. But it's like we need to take our steps, and so this is just a very helpful step, if you like, yeah. and to be here for as long as you need, <laughs> as long as you feel as helpful, you know. And it might be until who knows, you know, until we wake up or until whatever it is. It's like it's just giving yourself fully to it. Yeah, it's interesting. This is bringing up a very uh, subtle topic of, um, I've said, one, I did one video where it's called Ego, the Clever One, mm -hmm. and I, yesterday somebody was quoting me that I, I talked about don't, don't follow the trickster, but um, what Kirsten brought up was this idea that, that um, autonomy, ego autonomy is very, very strong. That's actually, autonomy goes back to the belief that you can make yourself different than the way God created you. That's the entire belief in separation from God is rooted in an ego autonomy. And then Jesus is so good, he'll, he'll say, your real autonomy, he always even takes autonomy and he puts it in a higher context. He said, your, your real autonomy comes from creation. Like, that's your autonomy in heaven, is you're a creator. God, God created you and you can create, and that's where your autonomy is. I... I love it how every time I get a, a connotation and even of a word autonomy, Jesus flips it and says, well, your real autonomy is in your creative ability that mm -hmm. God gave you. But I want to explore a little bit this subtle thing because, because the, the fear of going back to God is projected out onto the world and it seems to be that it's good to be autonomous. Mm -hmm. We're raised to be autonomous, fully functioning human beings, autonomous, uh, good citizens, you know, whatever, paying taxes and standing up on issues and, you know, the whole thing about being a good, fully functioning human being has a lot of autonomy built in with it. And then when you start to shift it over to the spiritual genre, then things get interesting because, um, you know, like even with A Course in Miracles, uh, we're, we have such a gratitude for it, but I've heard people say, well, yeah, it's, it's a book. It is. It's a book. And, and 
the Course itself says that it's just one of many pathways to God. And, but the, the ego has a defense mechanism called label and dismiss. So what it will do, in a very subtle way, is it will guard against very helpful symbols. To me, of Course in Miracles was a very helpful symbol. Mm. It was so helpful that uh, before it came into my life in 1986, back in the parable of David, I was one of those uh, spiritual seekers. Uh, I really wasn't a finder, but I was really a seeker. I, was, I would read so many books, so many philosophies. My, my uh, motto was, leave no stone unturned. Very exhausting. Uh, but there was a lot of reading, a lot of practicing. And uh, I had a, a stack of books by my nightstand that I would pull from, and I was reading a lot. It was just, my whole nightstand was stacked up. And then the most amazing thing happened when I encountered A Course in Miracles out in La Jolla, California in 1986. When I opened it, I felt like a tsunami of love wash over me. And I thought, this will change the direction of my entire life. And, oh my God, this is like an answer to prayer. I was raised Christian. It's Christian language. I've, I'm in psychology in, in university. Look at all the psychological stuff. It's in English. It's in English. It's not in Arabic or Greek or Hindu or it's in English. You know, when my experience was it was almost like the complete answer to all my prayers. And then as soon as I got into it, I dove so deeply into it that I was reading it for about on the average, eight hours a day, not consecutively, but I, I was using it kind of as an oracle and and praying and using it as an oracle. But but the thing was, all those books on my nightstand disappeared, and people around me are like, "What's happening to you? You've just got one book. What are you becoming closed-minded now? Just read out of one book." I didn't even read the newspaper. I, could, I stopped reading the newspaper. I stopped reading everything. This book, was, I guess it was an experience of like Jesus, Holy Spirit speaking directly to me. And so I carried it around with me. I had the paperback edition. I wore the gold letters off from just holding it and reading it so much. People would say, what is that blue book? Because there was no cover. There was no print left because I kept it with me so much. And then... When I would go around, some of you know the story, when people would say at course groups and I would read and we'd talk and then when I would go to the groups I would say, Jesus says, I started saying, Jesus says, I started preceding almost everything. I was so, so merged with it. I, I would say, well, Jesus says, and Jesus says, and I was so excited. And then finally, after a little bit of that, people would say, what do you say? Okay. We're, we're, and I said, I say what Jesus says. I couldn't even believe the question. What do I say? I say what Jesus says. You know, it was, I, I could, I just so dove into this. And then there were even people that I probably were, if they weren't saying it, were thinking, he's become addicted to a book. Now, if I find a book out of all the hundreds of books that I've read that resonates with me that much that it's almost like the air that I breathe and 
I'm like a little child in the presence of this saying, show me, teach me, I need to learn. And then this feeling that, oh my gosh, this is, this is Jesus' way of reaching me and speaking to me. I, that's why I use the book that much. And I know there can be people that would say that I became dependent on A Course in Miracles. I was just learning to have dependency on God. Uh, breaking away from all the autonomous ideas that that of the beliefs in time and space, scarcity, reciprocity, all the beliefs in medicine, the beliefs, all the things that I'd learned in education. I was learning to abandon everything else that I'd learned and just be like a, ch a curious child, uh, like really saying through the Course in Miracles, Jesus take my hand, I, I'm yours. I give you everything that I have. I give you everything, I give you my life and I'm going to use this book. And I got so devoted with the book that after after a number of years, I'd say probably after maybe six or seven years, I actually had people start to come up to me and say, I am your student, to me. And I thought, I had to refer right away to the teacher's manual. Oh, this must be that part where, you know, when the teacher is ready, the students will appear, and when the students are ready, the teacher will appear. I, I immediately got the reference like, oh, this was, that must be what's happening, because people would come to me and, and start to call me teacher, and start to call themselves student. That was a kind of a surprising thing to me. I, I never was in it for that. Uh, it was almost a little startling at the time. And then, fast forward, uh, fast forward a few years, I actually had a student who came to me one time and sat down with me to do a one-on-one. -on -one. And she looked me in the eye and she said, what if the Course isn't true? And I said, what do you mean? And she said, what if the Course is a hoax? And I just looked at her in absolute disbelief. And she saw it in my eyes, I think. And she said, you mean to honestly tell me you've never had this thought cross your mind that the Course is a hoax? And I said, that's exactly the truth. I have never had a thought, never once for years have I ever had the thought that the Course of Miracles was a hoax. And also, I love that part in the Course, how many books do you pick up that say, this is just one pathway among many to God. I was having the resonance, the connection with the presence that was behind the Course, and I was absolutely sure it was the Christ. It was like a recognition, and I, and I did say to her, no, I never actually ever had that thought, and she was kind of taken aback by that, because she was used to questioning and doubting things, and doubting everything, including the Course. And the Course is really good, because the Course does talk about truth, and it says, truth cannot be described or explained, but only experienced. It also says, I read Lesson 189, forget this world, forget this Course. There's not many books that actually say they're just one among many pathways to God, and say that you're ultimately to forget the book, you're to forget the words, you're to forget the concepts. You're even encouraged at one point, of Lesson 189, 
to let go of the theology of A Course in Miracles, that you start to realize that this book is just very, very, very helpful stepping stones. And like Michael was saying, you were the master of steps, uh, skipping steps. This one's saying, just hang with me. You'll start to outgrow various aspects of the Course. I mean, I actually had, had a relationship years ago, back in the 1990s, where my girlfriend, was she was so into the Course and Joel Goldsmith and really mysticism that that one day she picked up the Course and certain aspects of the Course even started to fall away, which was a major aspect of you and your brother. She started to go into, we, we were into mystical states of mind where the you and your brother, which is like a thread woven all the way through the Course, uh, and, and the Ark of Peace is entered two by two, all of a sudden, boom, she had an experience where she was like, ah, ah. And then she was drawn into all the oneness parts. <laughs> you know, mind reaches to itself. It does not go out. Within itself is everything. You within it, and it within you. And uh, I and the Father are one suddenly started to come into an experience where Jesus had been saying, there's two parts to I and the Father are one, because the Father is greater. Uh, Laura was bringing up that idea, like uh, Laura Barreto was saying, you know, I'm getting all confused about the Trinity, you know, probably being raised Catholic and your mother is Catholic, and you know, the sacred Trinity and this and this. You start to go into experiences where you can start to feel that it's all one spirit, even though those aspects of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, you are using the idea that, okay, the Father is just called, called God, God, or the Creator, and that's the prime Creator. The prime Creator created Christ. And so Christ is an extension of God, and God gave everything away. So now Christ is also a Creator, not in form, just in spirit. Christ has creations. God is the first creator, and Jesus says that's why awe, awe is a is a emotion that is reserved for being in the presence of something of a higher order. And what is a higher order than Jesus Christ? And Jesus Christ is saying this, God. In the Bible he said, why do you call me good? God is good. The God is the prime creator, and that's why awe is reserved only for God. It's an emotion. Not like the Valley Girls in California. Awesome! Hey, that's awesome makeup! Hey, that's an awesome pair of shoes! That's awesome! No, please! This, he's saying, Jesus Christ is saying, awe is reserved for your Creator. When you're in the presence of God, you feel awe, like, oh my God! Like something so vast, so unconditionally loving, that you you're just you're you're there in just like in worldly terms down on your knees in gratitude and respect. There was a time too when Helen Shuckman went into a Catholic church, and then Bill came there, and they went down, and you know they have those little things you can kneel on, and then Helen Shuckman, the scribe of the course, kneeled down, and then Bill kneeled down. They were kneeling in this Catholic church, and guess who shows up? Jesus shows up, and Jesus doesn't walk in front of them 
Jesus walks and comes right down into the pew and gets down on his knees. All three of them, down on their knees. And Jesus says, I am your equal. The only thing is different in time is I have nothing else but God. I'm, I only have what God gave me now. I'm the Christ. And God gave me my Christness. And I have nothing else. In time, it seems that you still are holding on to some other crazy ideas. And that's why I am above you only in perception, in, in consciousness, because I stand between where you are right now and where God is. Mm -hmm. And without me, that the rising up, the gap, the gulf between you as you perceive yourself as a human being and too God big, too would be too, too big of a step, too great. <laughs> the gulf would be too great. And so I'm here, and I'm here, and I can help you. I can, I can bestow miracles. I can work miracles through you. I can help you expand your consciousness. But without me, the gulf would be too great. So only in terms of the rising up am I above you. But truly, in our natural state of the Christ, we are completely equals. We're the same one. There's just one, one Christ. And so, for Laura and those of you that are wondering, how does the Trinity fit in and everything, just think of, when you think of God the Father, God isn't a male or female, so that's just a, Abba Father was just a term that was used. But God is the prime creator. Christ is the, the creation of God, the loving creation of God. And the Holy Spirit is like the bridge who sees the error, but he overlooks the error and sees to the light of the atonement. So the Holy Spirit is like the bridge back to remembering yourself as the Christ. And then as you go into these mystical experiences, whoof, it's, it, there's no, you're not thinking, okay, okay, I'm Christ, I'm here, you're God, you're there, or there, and... Holy Spirit, you're over here. There is no three. When you get into the mystical experience, you're not thinking three. <laughs> you know, the, the, the three is gone in, in the actual experience of union of spirit. But just in terms of ideas, as you're going through the steps, as you're going through the waking up, you can safely think of the Holy Spirit as the bridge. So, People have this problem too when they when they read the workbook, because there are these prayers. You know, we're talking most of the text, Holy Spirit and and then Jesus and a lot of Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, and then you get into the workbook, which I'm holding in my hands, and then at some point of the workbook, all of a sudden these direct prayers to God, these almost like like Father. You know, they're amazing prayers, and people go, wait a minute. I'm I'm frightened of praying t to God. I, I I really can maybe relate a little more to the Holy Spirit, but that's good because the Holy Spirit uh, technically is uh, the one that you could substitute for the word God in some of those. God is the love in which I forgive. It's actually the Holy Spirit that is that bridge that you're going into and and God is pure love, and and you would experience nothing but awe in the presence of the Creator. And as you're doing the Course, sometimes people don't understand, you know, like, God is in everything I see. 
okay, I'm looking around at a waste paper basket and a and a rug and a chair and and what? God God isn't everything I see. God isn't literally in the waste paper basket. People have said to me, why is Jesus doing this? He's trying to have me see God in a waste paper basket. It's the Holy Spirit. In that particular lesson, the Holy Spirit is in everything I see because the Holy Spirit is in my mind. That's the next lesson. God is in everything I see because God is in my mind. It's the presence of love and forgiveness through the Holy Spirit that if you put that presence and that purpose first, everything in the world, all those images are just going to merge together and you're not going to see anything different in the world. You're going to make this year different by making it all the same. And it's through the Holy Spirit. But don't get too caught up into, into the words. It's giving yourself over to the practice. It's giving yourself over to the sinking inward. It's giving you yourself to the presence. I just saw that online. Eckhart was saying, be a teacher of presence. I like that. I, mean, I want you all to be a teacher of presence. <laughs> because that's a beautiful way of saying it. It's, it's so beautiful, though, that you realize that you will, at some point, be called to go beyond the words. And even the words are just steps. And if anybody comes to you and says, you are addicted to A Course in Miracles, just smile and say, it's helpful mm -hmm. for me. It's not for everyone, but, but for me, I find it's helpful. If it is helpful for you, just, just be honest. I was very honest, and, and people thought I was addicted to it. But I haven't now, see, that was back in the 1990s when they thought I was addicted to it. Now I, I just, it's like a prop. I, I don't carry it around. I don't read the book. It's just, it's, I'm, I'm merged. <laughs> I think I've had a merge happen here because it's, a, it's no longer something that I see as a, a separate thing. Mm -hmm. And yet I will happily point to it. And, uh, and you probably know through the internet that I, I, have not been embarrassed by this book, <laughs> and I am not embarrassed by Jesus, and uh, and I also am not addicted to a historical Jesus. I'm I'm talking about the presence of Christ mm -hmm. that is right now, mm -hmm. that is all of us. So it's it's not uh, it's not a form thing for me. It really isn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like I'm in love, mm -hmm. and I'm happy about that. <laughs> I'm not embarrassed by love and I, I don't even apologize about it and I'm not a, I'm not embarrassed by the word Jesus. There was a time when I was going through Christianity where I was a little embarrassed by the word Jesus even and I had to face what's that about? Why, why is the word Jesus embarrassing to me? I think a lot of course students have to look at that where they're you're talking to somebody and you say the word Jesus and you get a look and you Say <laughs> so what did I, what did I say? But but you do get over all these things. That's what I'm just saying. We, you get over it. And mm -hmm. You fall in love. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful, David. Yeah, and it really is about embracing these guided steps for the healing of our mind to take us deeper into the mystic, like into mysticism, and that is the goal. And so, whatever we're guided into. 
It's an avenue to keep going deeper and deeper into the identification with Christ. And so even though we, we outgrow we outgrow certain steps or learning steps, it's also not about like label and dismiss them as if that means I need to throw everything out. Mm. Oh, it's like the Spirit's truly guiding us. And because uh, occasionally someone has raised the question, well, why are you still in community then? Do you, I, do you need that context? I think I've outgrown the context of community. And it's, it's about this ever-deepening journey and truly the Spirit's in charge of all of it. So in my experience, it's like what I needed showed up. And, and what I need keeps showing up. And then, but the learning may change or how it's being used may change, you know, as what, what I need for my own deepening changes. So I don't feel at all dependent on community at times. Like I don't, in many ways, I don't feel like I'm living in community the way that I would have defined it before. Like, yes, we're in community. Yes, we're, we're all doing this together. There, it, it's like it's shifted as my mind has expanded into, yeah, this, this deeper awareness of, no, God's behind everything and everyone's playing their part so perfectly. And it's like a, a it's one beautiful big collaboration and then at times it's just, it's a series of different collaborations. And everyone's guided into what they're collaborating in for the healing of their mind and for the whole universe. Mm. And, and having this constant permission to let go and open up to what is it now. So I think I described at one point yeah, there was like this washing of personal responsibility, which is so deep. And when I would oversee a center, there was definitely the sense of I'm doing it and they need me and I'm the counselor. You know? And that's what it was for. It was for the healing of that being washed away from my mind. And then I stepped away from overseeing, went through a, re- a next phase of deeper or mystical experiences and then the next thing, I was guided to oversee a center again. And I thought, wow, from where my mind's been in a mystical state for three months, how could I possibly oversee a center? I can't oversee getting my own breakfast together. <laughs> and now I'm going to oversee a center. But it was completely different. It was as if I'd never had that function before because my mind had shifted. And so it was an experience of like the details coming to me like rain just kind of pouring through my mind and sharing what I was hearing and that was what it was to oversee the center at that time and so it's 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 like the form may look the same but the purpose underneath is to keep going deeper deeper into mysticism and keep allowing and not judging against you know what it is the spirit's bringing to us next because if we think it's the past, that's also a limit. Mm. You know? And for us, it's constantly about opening up to what is it now, what is new and fresh and vibrant, that we can feel this presence of Christ is behind it. Um, 
Yeah, because it's always about the expansion. I think so. that's that's why I'm community. I mean, community has been for some time, and I don't see myself leaving anytime soon because it is so expansive being being here. It's so spontaneous and expansive. <laughs> They're two great words, and that really fulfills me. You know, that there's nothing else I need at the moment. Just being involved in the community, there's, you know, if an inspiration comes up, we join about it. And if it feels like the direction, we move in that direction. It doesn't matter what. This is Jesus taking this, you know. And whatever resources are required just seem to show up. It's that total being in the trust where everything is just provided. And if you're feeling like some sort of inspiration around something, we always like to join because it's still coming through an egoic filter. So we just want to check that it is actually given. And if it's not given, then it's really then letting it go. And if I've got something around that, then it's an opportunity to express and to release my, my personal preferences. I was just thinking when you were talking before about letting go of autonomy, I love your uh, linear, linear preference packages of what we are. These LPPs, linear preference packages, and then you threw in autonomy. I thought that's perfect. Autonomous linear preference packages. That's really what these are. And that's what we're letting go of, this autonomy, this, you know, this preference package to be able to say, okay, what is your will really? Jesus and I want to, I want it to be as pure as possible and we'll, and I'll join around it because you know sometimes it can be a bit distorted so and then it'll become clear when I've got my when I'm holding my brother's hands and we've got this shared purpose together it'll become very very clear and obvious what the direction is and away we go you know and it's always expansive and amazing and spontaneous these online retreats and the mystery schools and everything that we do is actually, you know, we, we generally have a plan around them broadly, you know, the spirit gives it. And then it's like daily is something new. It's the tabula rasa every day. Even with this online retreat, I think we met not long before the session even. We were just feeling out, well, what is it then? Okay, I think we'll start with a song and away we go. You know, it's just like letting it unfold because we're coming from that present that's coming from this place of not autonomy, <laughs> this place mm. of of where the spirit is. What would you have me be, do, or say now, you know? And even just sitting right here, I'm just really watching myself. Is there, unless I'm being totally compelled to say something, I'm not interested in saying anything, (laughs) because I know that that would be the ego. And then it's like, if it's going to come out, it's all for me. You know, if I'm saying something, I'm just saying whatever I'm saying is for me right now. Yeah, I think the point that that it all transcends, I remember maybe it was maybe a week or two ago, Kirsten was just, all this stuff with Japan was unfolding, and literally without any kind of thought or effort, it was just like beholding, like, and behold, mm. I send you Raphael, and behold, I send you Narika, and a behold, you know, you get into this idea like, wow, central casting, JC Central is is amazing. I even have a group out there in uh, Topanga where they they wanted to get together for a group photo out of Topanga Canyon and. Uh, we all get together, and they said, no, 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 let's do a video. No, no, not a photo. And they said, what we want to do is we want to take our hands like this. We all want to say it together, JC Central, and moving their <laughs> hands like this. So I'm out there with a bunch of young, I call them hippies for Jesus, but they're all young professionals for Jesus. Really. Right. And they're all together doing a video with me with their hands going like this, because they've seen me do that. JC Central, JC Central. What does that mean, actually? What Kirsten was talking about, that Jesus is behind everything. Mm. That that's why there's no doer, is because the presence of love in Christ is behind the orchestration of everything mm. and the orchestration of all the miracles. And, and suddenly when you have an epiphany and you realize that Jesus is behind it, 
that Jesus has got this. He, he says, you know, I was the first to complete my part in the atonement, therefore I am in charge of the atonement. In charge? Okay, well, that's a relief. I'm not in charge of the plan of atonement, thank God. I'm ready to play my part. <laughs> Here I am, Jesus, I'm ready. But wouldn't it make sense that the plan of waking up, that if there was a brother or a sister who had completed their part perfectly, the first to complete it perfectly, wouldn't they make a good leader? Wouldn't you want somebody leading you in the awakening that had awakened? Doesn't that make sense? That's the kind of leader I want. I want somebody who's... Who, uh, who's done it, not somebody who's like, maybe, we might make it. <laughs> I want someone who's, who's made the transition, you know, who's ascended as one with the Father. So to me, it's, that's a relaxing thing. And also, I think it plays into uh, another thing. This theme that's come up, we're touching a lot of questions that have come in. This is from Holly. Mm. Holly uh, down in Australia. I love the way that that this came out, because it starts to get to the the nuance of of not of of inclusion exclusion. I want to be included in God's plan. I want to be included with my mighty companions. And then notice that there's a part of the mind that's going. I want to be autonomous. I said I wanted to be included, but I really want to be autonomous. Mm -hmm. And uh, and this is what Holly wrote. She said, as I watched the newer YouTubes being produced by Living Miracles, Unwind Your Mind, 30 Day, and this course, this is approaching, I am feeling an old judgment come up around specialness. Part of me wants to join in. Part of me is judgmental. And a fast-flowing undercurrent thinks, I will never fit in, nor do I want to. Although very friendly, I have trouble letting anyone in, truly. My toxic shame runs very deep. Mm -hmm. I intellectually recognize this as ego specialness, self-pity, etc. Although it is an old topic, it is where I am at the moment. Thank you for your prayers mm -hmm. and your time. Mm -hmm. And don't you feel that that's like a heartfelt prayer for all of us? Mm -hmm. That, you know, it's like, uh, it's like that Peter Cetera song with Cher, I tried it on my own, but deep inside I've known I'd be back to set things straight. That's what we're doing. We have a fear of collaboration. Why? Because the ego says, don't get too close, don't show your heart, don't lay your mask all the way down. You could get torpedoed. We have had so many times in relationships when we have let the mask down. In what we thought a love relationship, we, we start falling in love and we fall deeper and deeper and it's like, ooh, the swirl of love, it feels so good in our heart, it's like the it's like the fairy tales have all pointed us in this direction, and then there's some kind of gaping wound or toxic shame that you mentioned that gets exposed in, in our time of when the mask is dropped and, and, and the hurt starts to come out, or the anger comes out, or the rage, and then 
we have a, a beloved one that we thought we'd be with forever, and they, they go, I can't handle this, I'm gone. And then we, we start to have that happen a number of times, even as children, maybe parents leave us, or partners, or we have a beloved pet that dies, and we start to get a, a collection of memories, like, when I love, something happens and I am hurt. And we start to, in a strange way, associate love and hurt. And then we have songs like, uh, remember that song? Never gonna fall in love again. I don't want to start with someone new. <laughs> you know, it's like we we are we have some kind of memory of being hurt, and we're af we become afraid of opening up, afraid of getting too close. And this is why the closer you come, the more the ego gets frightened that you're going to get too close, too connected, too intimate, and and the ego will start. You're going to be sorry. You're going to be sorry. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Always save an escape hatch. Always save for a rainy day. Have a way to escape. And we start to realize our relationships have a compromise in it, where we were afraid to fully love. Jesus even says in the Course, uh, it's, it's harder for you to say, I love you, than I hate you. It's easier, he says in the Course, believe it or not, it's in the Course, it's easier for you to say, I hate you, than I love you. And that is very, that touches the core of, of our wound, like, I, I, there's something inside of us that, that wants to transcend that. So I'm glad, I'm just so glad you wrote this out in terms of a prayer, because the way you wrote it out, with watching the YouTubes, watching the newer ones, 30-day, and now this online retreat, you know, you can feel like you're taking these steps of joining and connecting. But it's so poignant that you're pointing out that, and exposing, there's a toxic shame, there's a fear that's underneath, and I want, I want to let that go. Mm. It's beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> it's just beautiful. Mm. We Molly. hear you. We f mm. we feel your prayer. Thank You're you, with us. <laughs> I remember one time. I think I flew to Australia, <laughs> Australia from the United States, seven consecutive years. Um, so you are are my witness. <laughs> yeah, I was down there. That's how I met Michael, Kirsten, and I. We were in New Zealand one time, and and I got a call to go over there, and you had a little bit of hesitation, but mm -hmm. you joined me at at the airport and we flew over there and that was the beginning, I think. That was the first year of seven mm. consecutive years and mm. and many in our community as I, I look, those those are the beloveds. So you're with us. You're with us, Holly. You're the beat goes on <laughs> down under and we're all right here in the beat. Beautiful. Hmm. I had a thought about it. I think you're in Brisbane too, is that right, Holly? Maybe even connecting with Rich, Richard and um, Susie. I don't know if you've already done that, Holzer, because they're in Brisbane too. So. They're online right now. Yeah, yeah, there's an opportunity there for some, uh, maybe some mighty companionship. So. <laughs> Did you have another question there, David, or should we open it up? I think we could. 
open it up. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to uh, hear what you have to say today. Okay, Adriana was right in there with his hand up, or her hand up. <laughs> Go ahead, Adriana. Oh, uh, uh, oh, Adriana, yeah. hello. <laughs> I, I have a question about the. Um, I have a, a, a confusion about the, uh, how I can understand that God can create, but I, I cannot understand that uh, uh, as a uh, son of God can create only in the heaven, or it means here on this Luzeran world. Yes, I can talk to that. That's a, that's a good mm -hmm. question. Uh, just like in this world, um, in the world of humans, in the world of, we'll say, the animal kingdom, um, that that offspring uh, do not create the parent. The, the child never creates the parent. The parent always creates the child. And it's very similar in heaven, is that, that God is the prime creator, and God creates in spirit, only in spirit because it comes of a like kind. Like uh, in the Bible it said, uh, God created man in his likeness and image. It says in Genesis. And Jesus reinterprets to that, meaning God creates in a likeness of God. And God is pure spirit. Nobody's ever perceived God. And nobody's actually ever even perceived the Holy Spirit. <laughs> You know, they're invisible to the human perception, but it's just, it's eternity. In other words, everything of time and space, everything of the cosmos has a beginning and it has an end. It's, it's very temporal. That's from Corinthians in the Bible. That which is eternal is eternal. That which is temporal is temporal. So you might equate creation with eternal. No beginning and no end. So Christ is an eternal creation. Not Jesus, the man, but Christ, the, the presence of, of love, that what they call the, the child, perfect child of God or the Son of God is a, is a creation in spirit. And creation comes from God first, and then Christ is an extension, and then Christ, God having creative ability, gave that creative ability to Christ, and so Christ has creations. These have nothing to do with time and space, nothing to do with the cosmos at all. They're just pure creations. But Jesus does, he puts creations with a small c in the Course, and then he says, your creations are waiting for you to remember them. So it's like, as Christ, we have eternal creations that are waiting for us to wake up. They're like, <laughs> waiting for us to recognize our offspring as Christ. And the reason this is hard to grasp, like you, I've been talking for like 25 years on this topic, and, and everybody always asks the same thing, like, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's because nothing in time and space gives us any kind of a clue of what that really is. That's why we don't have a direct experience of it. Like we may go to an art museum, let's say in, uh, we go to France, we go to the Louvre, 
and we look at different types of art, and then we go into the part where it talks about abstract art, and abstract is very less defined. It doesn't have the, the sharp edges and the contrast. It's very ephemeral, it, it's very uh, undefined, and, and yet that's not it either, uh, because the creations are purely abstract, and all we see, we still see some colors and maybe make out a few shapes not much, but you can see that's, t that's telling us we're moving in the direction of not being defined in any way. And, and the ego created all the specifics, so everything in this world is specifics, is like a veil covering over this divine abstraction and this divine creation. But it's, it's no wonder that you're asking that, because it's, it's not intellectually understandable at all. <laughs> It's you might say that Christ is an idea in the mind of God. Uh, that sometimes Jesus talks about the thoughts of God, but when he capitalized thoughts, he's talking about these eternal creations. It, it's not really plural like we think of it. You know, it's all one vibrant bright light and experience and there's really no plurality or multiplicity to it. But when Jesus capitalizes even a word like thought, he's saying that God thought you thought us up as the Christ. We are a, an idea or a thought in the mind of God and as a thought we also can extend these thoughts. And that's why Jesus says, ideas are strengthened by being given away. As an eternal creation, that's part of creativity, is an extending and a radiating. It's, an, it's not like in a time-space, like an expanding way. It's, it's just a, it's a pure, direct line of creation. Starting with the prime creator, then coming to the Christ, and then extending through the Christ creations. But it's all eternal. And there's no way that anything, any mechanism of the intellect or rationality or anything we call this world can, can even relate or comprehend it. But he put it in there for a reason in the Course, because he's like saying, oh, there's definitely something real that is just pure love, pure extending, radiating love. And when you wake up, this is your incentive for waking up, <laughs> that he said, you would weep in the forgotten song. He said, if you remembered all those that were with you in heaven, you would just start weeping. The love would just come in terms of the human. It would just, you would start bursting. The tears would just burst out of your eyes and just roll down your cheeks. If you had the slightest hint or a memory of heaven and these creations that, that are so dear, it's like, coming home to the most dearest family, the dearest spirit family, and, and you, would, you couldn't contain it. The love would just overtake you. And, you know, sometimes when I'm listening to Andre Bocelli, you know, I, I feel that. I'm sitting there and I'm just, he starts singing and I just, I go, it's so much more than I've ever heard in, in the world that I just have tears start streaming down because it's almost like that song that he's singing 
and the quality and his voice and everything just coming together at that moment is so touching to me that I can't hold back the tears. It happens to me a lot now with a lot of things, actually. I, I'm a crier, and I can't help it uh, because of the, the bursting love that Kirsten was talking about. It's just there. You're drawing it out of me, oh. Adriana. <laughs> You're drawing it out of me. <laughs> Beautiful. Ah. Mm. That's so sweet. Adriana. Oh. <laughs> okay, next on the list is um, Carly. Go ahead, Carly. Just kind of having an experience today, it feels like um, I've been kind of praying a lot, like for help. Um, I've just gone through a lot of um, different feelings, and I've kind of not had a job, sort of in a way, recently, and. She's bringing up a lot of stuff, and just had a lot of like surrender coming in and humility. That's real, <laughs> like for the first time, you know. <laughs> like I don't know. I know I don't know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> There's always been some part of me that feels like it's not a good idea. <laughs> so, I feel like I'm in a good place, but in the unknown, a little bit of the unknown. And um, yesterday, during the sessions, I just I felt too saturated, like it was too long for me, and couldn't pay attention. And I was even wondering about joining today, if I was going to be able to do that. And just during the morning talk, so far, I heard some of it, but then I just, I just started writing on my computer and with the talk in the background and I just really felt like it was like Jesus speaking to me and yeah. and um I guess I think I feel like maybe I just like to read it if that's okay and I wrote So, I cannot go out beyond myself. I cannot escape this present love. Love is at the heart of my mind. My mind is one with God. Every insane, unloving, and busy thought is an attempt to escape and not accept the beauty of true thought, the depth of silence. 
those seeming thoughts are not there. They are an imagined distraction, a nothing, an attempt to deny reality, that which would disappear completely when I connect with the feeling of real self-light. Allowing the, the love to be itself, to pour forth and over from within, to take over my entire attention. This is the only actual experience because it is reality. I will not make up a sad story and try to clutch it with imaginary hands. I will not replace his wordless glory. I will not, I will accept his plan for salvation. I would allow in gladness for the world to be retranslated for me into what is most helpful for the whole. I will step back so that all beliefs in boundaries, bodies, and separation can be erased. All error is breathless, just as the I am is breath and life in creation. Now is for the forgiveness of all time and all images. Now is the power of mind without matter. God calls from within, and that call is only answered now. Stay now. Align with reality, with the one possibility. Light is bursting within itself. I love, we love, God loves. Soften my love and let it be for you and thus for the one. The strength of Christ is at the ready to replace the strength of the body. Defenses. Nothing is personal, but it is to your mind I speak and the echoes of our conversation reach all eternity because this is under my direction, which is all loving and not special. Come to me with empty hands and an empty mind with no preconceived ideas about how anything should go or look. Come to me in allowance of the silence. Receiving words of guidance is not important now but recognition of I don't know my own best interests is. Humility and a blank attitude is your joy. The tide has surely turned. The dark and stormy oceans of mental terror are gone. They are now quite tropical in nature. The water has been made warm for you. Encouraging total immersion and a diving in. I go before you, making straight your path. Trust in me as I trust in you. We are surely joy now and will go on together forever. If you follow my direction by asking me, you will never, never feel alone or lost again. Come within. Do not look without for anything you want. This is the answer to your prayer for wholeness and peace. You have been answered. Amen. Mm.
<laughs> oh, that's for all of us. It's for everyone. That's our prayer. Thank you, Carly. Thank you. That's it. That's your one function. You're a perfect channel of the Christ. Praying for all of us. Well, we're getting to that place where we are coming to a place of, I think just to drop into that like that, a prayer, mm -hmm. a reading, and then um, the final vision has been working, <laughs> practicing, practicing to, to share with all of us too. But yeah. I think as we all just dropped in listening to Carly mm -hmm. into that deep prayer directly from Jesus, mm -hmm. that was a gift for all of us. And, and that is our into the mystic wish and prayer, that, that was our prayer. Mm. And I think there's a few things um, that we were talking about reading, unless mm. we feel to take another question and uh, open up with mm. some readings there, but we're getting the winding. I feel stay in this. Stay mm. in this. Yeah, yes. they were so, so precious from mm -hmm. you, Carly. That is mm. exactly what we felt the guidance was for this whole retreat is mm. to really open up to that experience. The time for words is almost over. Mm. And, uh, yeah, to be in that experience together and trust that that truly is the answer. Mm. It is the answer with a capital A to mm. every question <laughs> and every prayer. Mm. So that was really beautiful. Really is. The Thank question's you. dissolving that, isn't it? It was Jesus. <laughs> he's, he's orchestrating everything, and even that, saying to you, stop listening to the words, my beloved, and here, just be in this experience with me, and then for you to share it with everyone. It's like, who's facilitating this retreat? <laughs> really, Jesus is facilitating it, and that was just beautiful yeah. part of it all. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the words of around creation, I some of these short lessons um, that we were sticky noting, mm. you know, they're about creation as yeah. well. And yeah, there was one here. I know you have a piece as well, Michael. But I wanted to share this part about creation's gentleness is all I see. Mm. I have indeed misunderstood the world because I laid my sins on it and saw them looking back at me. How fierce they seemed. And how deceived was I to think that what I feared was in the world instead of in my mind alone. Today I see the world in the celestial gentleness with which creation shines. I love that line. Mm. Today I see the world in the celestial gentleness with which creation shines. There is no fear in it. Let no appearance of my sins obscure the light of heaven shining on the world. What is reflected there is in God's mind. The images I see reflect my thoughts. 
Yet is my mind at one with God's, and so I can perceive creation's gentleness. In quiet would I look upon the world, which but reflects your thoughts and mine as well. Let me remember that they are the same, and I will see creation's gentleness. And from the workbook, what is creation? Creation is the sum of all God's thoughts in number infinite and everywhere without all limit. Only love creates and only like itself. There was no time when all that it created was not there, nor will there be a time when anything that it created suffers any loss. Forever and forever are God's thoughts exactly as they were and as they are, unchanged through time and after time is done. God's thoughts, capital thoughts, are given all the power that their own Creator has. For He would add to love by its extension. Thus His Son shares in creation, and must therefore share in power to create. What God has willed to be forever one, will still be one, when time is over, and will not be changed throughout time, throughout the course of time, remaining as it was before the thought of time began. Like a giant symphony and not one note was ever missed. Creation is the opposite of all illusions for creation is truth. Creation is the Holy Son of God, for in creation is His will complete in every aspect, making every part container of the whole. Its oneness is forever guaranteed inviolate, forever held within His holy will beyond all possibility of harm, of separation, imperfection, of any spot upon its sinlessness. We are creation. We, the sons of God. We seem to be discreet and unaware of our eternal unity with Him. Yet back of all our doubts, Past all our fears, there is still certainty, for love remains with all its thoughts, its sureness being theirs. God's memory is in our holy minds, which know their oneness and their true unity with their Creator. Let our function be only to let this memory return, 
only to let God's will be done on earth, only to be restored to sanity, and to be but as God created us. Our Father calls to us, we hear His voice, and we forgive creation in the name of its Creator, Holiness itself, whose holiness His own creation shares, whose holiness is still a part of us. Our use for words is almost over. It's <laughs> mm. <laughs> beautiful. Like we're just blooming. <laughs> mm. Any flowers in the garden? <laughs> Little flowers in the garden. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's I think beautiful. Michael has a benediction, and then we'll take it over to the <coughs> mystic. Studio, <laughs> Mystic mm. Sanctuary. To ask the Holy Spirit to decide for you is simply to accept your true inheritance. Does this mean that you cannot say anything without consulting Him? No, indeed. That would hardly be practical. And it is the practical with which this course is most concerned. If you have made it a habit to ask for help when and where you can, you can be confident that wisdom will be given you when you need it. Prepare for this each morning. Remember God when you can throughout the day. Ask the Holy Spirit's help when it is feasible to do so and thank Him for His guidance at night. And your confidence will be well-founded indeed. Never forget that the Holy Spirit does not depend on your words. He understands the requests of your heart and answers them. Does this mean that while attack remains attractive to you, he will respond with evil? Hardly. For God has given him the power to translate your prayers of the heart into his language. He understands that an attack is a call for help, and he responds with help accordingly. God would be cruel if he let your words replace his own. A loving father does not let his child harm himself or choose his own destruction. He may ask for injury, but his father will protect him still. And how much more than this does your father love his son? Remember, you are his completion and his love. Remember your weakness is his strength. But do not read this hastily or wrongly. If his strength is in you, what you perceive as your weakness is but illusion. And he has given you the means to prove it so. 
Ask all things of his teacher, and all things are given you. Not in the future, but immediately, now. God does not wait, for waiting implies time, and he is timeless. Forget your foolish images, your sense of frailty and your fear of harm, your dreams of danger and selected wrongs. God knows but his Son, and as he was created, so he is. In confidence, I place you in his hands, and I give thanks for you that this is so. And now, in all your doings, be you blessed. God turns to you for help to save the world. Teacher of God, his thanks he offers you, and all the world stands silent in the grace you bring from him. You are the son he loves and it is given you to be the means through which his voice is heard around the world to close all things of time, to end the sight of all things visible and to undo all things that change. Through you is ushered in a world unseen, unheard, yet truly there. Holy are you, and in your light the world reflects your holiness, for you are not alone and friendless. I give thanks for you, and join your efforts on behalf of God, knowing they are on my behalf as well. And for all those who walk to God with me. Amen. the sanctuary mm. the final vision mm. mm-hmm. oh wow thank you David and Michael and Kristen such a beautiful session yeah yeah we are gonna Sing a song called The Journey Home. Oh, I almost can't speak. I'll try to sing. Yeah, a song called The Journey Home.